It's the criterion. It's the criterion. 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 N. 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Criterion Project, the show where we talk about movies in the Criterion channel and or Criterion collection. Usually, but not today. We're doing a special episode um, because there's some scheduling stuff going on. We're going to be away on fun trips over the next couple of weeks. So we are trying to put this one in the bank. I'm here, as always, with the great Rachel Wagner. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I guess we're both exciting, excited for our trips. Um, yes, we've got some travel coming up, and so we uh, we didn't have enough time to uh, to watch a, a new uh, new to us movie. Uh, so we were thinking, what could we do that would still be fun, engaging, and uh, so we came up with an idea to record on Labor Day. Yeah, that's right. It is Labor Day as we're recording, and we do have a fun idea. Um, which you probably will know what it is based on the episode title. But before we get into that and describe all of that, um, we will do a very short but nice um, what we've been watching second, which is what we always do because we've seen a couple of fun movies on the Mm -hmm. big screen. Rachel, what did you see? So they had National Cinema Day, which was super fun for only $3. Uh, You could see any movie. And I decided to see the re-release of Jaws. Uh, Such a good movie. Such a well-done movie. Character piece. Well done in building suspense. And uh, and kind of commenting on groupthink. And and, uh, and, uh, well acted, I think. And so that was very fun to get to see Jaws again. On a big screen. Yeah, that sounds like a great time, and um, I love uh, Jaws. It's such a great movie, um, and it must have been great to see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Did you also see it in 3D? I did. Yeah, I saw it in 3D, which was, eh, it didn't really do anything. To, oh, yeah? There was no benefit to the 3D, but I, I didn't see it on IMAX because I wanted to check out, we have a brand new movie theater in my area, mm. uh, It's which is pretty rare, I think. I'm not building that many new theaters these days but uh uh, they have a new cinemark uh and a whole new complex it's really nice very nice and uh really comfortable seats and uh anyway so it's kind of fun to check out the new theater yeah that sounds like a fun time i spent uh the national cinema day um paying full price ticket (laughs) instead of three dollars because i went to the Museum of the Moving Image here in New York because they were showing Sleeping Beauty in 70 millimeter film on the big screen, which I thought was an opportunity that I couldn't let pass. And I was right. Um, Yeah. So Sleeping Beauty, obviously, everybody knows one of the classic Disney movies from the 1950s. Um, But, you know, one also one of its the most beautiful gorgeous striking movies disney ever made in terms of design color animation all of that stuff um something that i had always appreciated watching it on at home which is the only way that i had seen it before Mm -hmm. but that really really pops when you watch it on the big screen um a lot of sequences that i that I feel like at home have played to me, like maybe this is running a little long or it's a little slow on the big screen. It just becomes completely mesmerizing. It, I really can't recommend it enough if you have the opportunity 
to see these on the big screen. And especially if you have the opportunity to see this 70 millimeter print, which mm. is one of the few ones that's around and makes the rounds every now and then. Um, I Yeah, you should, you should really take, especially if you are a big Disney fan like you, Rachel. Oh, so jealous. So jealous. <laughs> I would love that. It's one of my favorites. Uh, such a beautiful film. I, the, the term masterpiece is thrown out, thrown around a lot. And, mm. but I think that that is one that is deserving of that, that, uh, that title. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And, and I, and I have to say, I don't know if I would have necessarily agreed with you as much as I admired the movie before this time, but now that I've seen it, how it's meant to be seen, it's just one of those movies that, mm-hmm. you know, it's completely transformative. Um, and I think we'll talk about some of those movies later in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I, and I do want to give a cheap plug. I, we, I've been doing the AFI project, uh, passions project over on uh, the Patreon and where I where we review a, a film from the AFI passions uh, list every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, this last week we did the princess bride, which was really fun to get to mm-hmm. talk about with one of my favorites. So, and so I got to rewatch that as well. And uh, it's just a fun movie. I, f- I feel like it, that it, it, that's a word I, I try to not use that much, but it just fits for this movie. I just think it's super fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is one of your favorites, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. I enjoy um, it very much. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Um, and speaking of great movies and lists, let's introduce what the Yay. episode is for today. Um, so the Sight and Sound Critics and Directors poll is a uh, you know, a, a poll that is done by uh, the magazine Sight and Sound, which is based in England. And, um, you know, just people, they ask critics and they ask directors mostly, but also all the kinds of filmmakers, um, what their favorite movies are, or what they think are the best movies ever made. And ever since 1952, every 10 years, they do a new poll. And, you know, in 1952, the number one movie was Bicycle Thieves. And then starting in 1962, for the second poll, it was Citizen Kane. That's kind of a little bit, one of the many reasons why Citizen Kane kind of cemented its reputation as one of the best, or the best movie ever, I should say, for a very long time. Until in 2012, Vertigo was number one. It was the first time since 1952 that a different movie other than Citizen Kane was number one. Citizen Kane was number two that year in any way. Um, and there's going to be a new poll released later this year because it's 2022. And, you know, it, the last one was 2012. And a lot of people have been talking about how um, they've been really trying to expand the number of people who vote on the poll, diversify, you know, more women, more people from different backgrounds, different countries. And a lot of people are very interested to see if the final results will be different. You know, will there be some unexpected movies in the top 10 or not? We will learn that later this year. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit about it when that happens on this podcast as well. But in the meantime, we decided to throw our hats in the ring and say, you know, each of us has picked five movies and together we're going to make our own 10 movie wide uh, sight and sound ballot, the official Criterion Project ballot of what the best movies are. <laughs> so no small task. Yes. Well, and, and we were really trying to think of what are the best as opposed to what are our favorites. 
Yeah, that is a, a a debate or a question that has come up with with my friends and with other people that I talk movies with over the years. If there is a difference between best and favorite and what that is. And the way that I kind of put it to Rachel for this, which is how I approached it, is it's kind of like uh, the difference, I think, between Desert Island movies and Time Capsule movies, you know? When mm-hmm. they ask, what movie would you take to a Desert Island? That's going to be your favorite, the one that you can watch again and again and never get tired of it. Whereas in a time capsule, you might want to put you might want to put one of your favorites, but you might also want to put something else that you feel like people who uncover the capsule many years in the future will really appreciate yeah. and benefit from watching. Right? Is that how you see it? Yes. As well? Yeah. Like for example, I you know everybody knows I love the movie Your Name, but do I feel like Your Name is sort of um, as embellic of of movies and would teach somebody about movies and uh, I, I feel like it's one I love, but is it one of the best and one of the like examples of movie making? I, I don't know. Yeah, well, it all becomes even more difficult when you, you know, when it's just five movies, you know, you can't yeah, just put as hard. many movies as you want. It becomes harder. It mm-hmm. becomes a particular task. Um, yeah, it really does. Yeah, and I really felt it when, you know, we. it was my idea to do this episode, and then we were going back and forth. Rachel was asking me, like, is it the favorites? Is it this? Is it that? And, and, I, and I was so... Um, convinced of the episode that I explained to you no 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 it's like time capsule we'll do five and it'll be ten and then I turned around to make my list and I was like oh this is really difficult actually I don't know what to do (laughs) yeah and I don't know your picture you know mine but Mm -hmm. I don't know yours so it's gonna be fun to see what you pick I I have no idea what what you pick it should be a fun episode. I have. I will say some movies that we've covered on this podcast will be mentioned throughout this yes. episode. I'm pretty sure. Um, so I have one that we've covered on my. I list. think I have one as well. Maybe I can't remember now um, mm-hmm. if we've covered some of these, but definitely yes. people that we've covered. That's for sure. Do we um, want to mention honorable mentions now, or wait till later? Or? Um. Why don't we wait till later? Because you never know if one of the modern mentions might be in someone else's list. I don't think okay. that'll be the case, but you know, you—it's never—you um, never know. That's good. That sounds good. Um, so, how should we? Let's go one at a time. Um, you know, uh, I don't know in what order yeah. you want to reveal your. I don't really have—I don't really have them in order, uh, mm-hmm. like the, in a ranking kind of order. Mm-hmm. I just have my five, um, but I—I I can start. Yeah. So uh, I. I wanted to pick uh, a movie that uh, I feel like is um, is has the best of kind of everything: great acting, great cinematography, great music, great message, great story. Um, and for me, the movie that I think captures all of that uh, is *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Mm. Um, it's one of my favorite books to begin with. Uh, it's such a moving story. Uh, it's all about uh, fighting for lost causes and that, uh, and Atticus is a character. He knows that he is uh, fighting a lost cause. He knows he's not going to win, but he does it anyway. And um, it's so well acted. It's the chemistry between, uh, between, Gregory Peck and the girl plays scout is you feel like it's really his daughter. I mean, that, that is, 
it was such a great child performance, such a great performance from Gregory Peck. Um, I love the, uh, uh, the Elmer Bernstein music is so good. I love the, uh, the moments in the, in this story when, uh, when he gives his speech and, uh, the, um, the people in the stand stand up for him and they mm-hmm. tell scout, uh, you're, your your father's walking stand up and it's a beautiful moving moment um i i i like a um robert duvall as um the uh boo radley boo radley great his debut performance uh, he does a, he's really good um i just think it's a, a very moving beautifully made beautifully acted it's just got it all i think all right i have to say I have not seen this movie. Um, I know that it's a classic. I have read the book To Kill a Mockingbird, but I have never seen the movie. So I will not be commenting on that, but I will say that, um, you know, based like you were saying, the reasons why you picked it, I think that in a lot of ways, I see why this movie would speak to you as a person from what I know about you and, and you know, and why this story would like, you know, reflect. I feel like it really does reflect a lot of um, your values and what you appreciate in movies and also in, you know, human beings as a whole. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's a, it's a great pick, very reflective of, of, you know, your relationship to movies, which I think it's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, I think it is beautifully made and directed and just, I just think it has it all. And you can tell, I think that To Kill a Mockingbird is a great book because almost everybody read it in school. And you still like it, which usually I feel like school ruins books, uh, the way they make you analyze it and the way they make you, um, I read it first in school. Um, and, uh, I just, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's my first pick. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll be part of the fun as well, because even when you're doing the best, it won't, you know, you can't help, but show a lot about yourself and your personal mm-hmm. personality in yeah. your picks. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, I think I will go with my picks from oldest to newest in terms of release. Um, so I will start with, you know, the, the first person that came to mind when when making this list was someone who I think is just kind of, to me, the most iconic kind of like, when I think of movies, I'm just like thinking of this person. Um, and, and he just kind of means movies to me. And I think to a lot of people it he did throughout a lot of time. And that is Charlie Chaplin. So I wanted to pick, definitely, I knew I was going to pick a Charlie Chaplin movie. And I went about a couple of ones. But then I landed on what I think is, also feels to me like, it's a movie that I love. And it almost feels to me like the, um, I don't know how to, put it maybe like the word text of movies like it feels to me like the the movie that kind of this the, you know i don't know it feels it's not the first movie ever made but it feels to me like the first movie you know it feels like a movie that yeah. it says this is what movies are and everybody else follow this lead kind of you know and that movie for me is the gold rush from 1925 in which charlie chaplin plays the little tramp as a prospector who goes to alaska trying to strike it uh, gold, you know, to get rich, um, finding a gold mine. And he goes through a lot of trials and tribulations. He has to face the cold weather and also the roughness of the, 
of the frontier and you know the fact that he's a tramp and he's so little and so delicate in so many ways in such a rough terrain makes for great not only great comedy but also great um you know great drama it's a pretty it's a sad movie in a lot of ways it's a very sentimental movie like so many charlie chaplin movies and it's also a very kind of like action-packed movie um one of the great magical things about it is that have you seen this one rachel yeah i actually just did it last year for blind spot Okay, great. So, so you know the the kind of like the climax. The movie kind of builds towards this very exciting action sequence where the house is dangling from the cliff and it's like moving back and forth, um, which I find absolutely incredible. You know, even though they are very you know sort of primitive visual effects, you, I still feel the danger of of that action sequence and the and the you know and also it's very clever it's very funny it's very inventive and on top of that it's so visceral that it really feels to me like it's really getting at what movies can do in terms of like you know a popcorn movie that remains a popcorn movie even though it's almost 100 years old to me it's just you can't mm-hmm. beat that yeah i'm trying to remember it's of course now it's been a, a bit since i saw mm-hmm. it but but I remember thinking the the romance was also pretty the, good in that one. Yeah, the romance yeah. is interesting because the 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 romantic the woman who um, he's interested in is kind of a little bit indifferent to him and kind of cruel in a lot of ways mm-hmm. until it kind of finally turns at the end in an ending that feels a little bit too good to be true, but that almost kind of I feel makes the movie somehow even better because it just highlights how difficult and how harsh everything has been up to that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I liked it. It was definitely very compelling. And, and you know, we, we kind of debate sometimes between which is the better silent era mm. movie King Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin. But I think that, that the stunts and the, um, the laughs are bigger in Keaton, but I think the Chaplin does tell stories with a little bit more heart and there's just a little bit more story to his movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's correct. And I think that's what most people think about it. I mean, I love both of them. Mm-hmm. I was going to say there's no reason to pick, but here I am picking one over the other. So like, you know, I guess I'm just, um, but I just feel like to me, I mean, I love, love, love Buster Keaton, but I think you're right. There's something about the, the icon and the and the emotions of the Charlie Chaplin story that kind of relate with me in a um, in a very personal way, I guess. Yeah. Well, my next pick is a movie I picked because I think it has the best screenplay of any movie. Oh, all right. Yeah, its screenplay is just so good, uh, and uh, we talked about it on this podcast. It's all about Eve. Uh, it's Mm. Uh, so many great monologues so many great uh um characters and their banter back and forth between them is just perfect i i think it is a perfect script as far as i don't know i there's very little that i would like change or (laughs) i think it's so well done (laughs) and such such great characters and uh um, I, you know, Eve is such a devious character and you see her kind of character arc from starting out seemingly, in, you know, innocent and sweet to, uh, to being very devious. I think that's a great arc. Uh, of course, Betty Davis is so good as Margot. Um, uh, and I really, uh, like her, uh, her relationships, uh, that, uh, the way that they kind of 
evolve and change throughout the course of the the movie. Um, it's it's just it's just a great script. <laughs> that's why I picked it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great pick. Um, obviously, we've covered it on the show not too long ago um, mm. with um, Stanford Clark was a yeah. guest for that one. That was a great conversation. So people listening can go back if they haven't uh, listened to that episode. Definitely a great movie. Uh, Betty Davis is is amazing in it. I think she gives an incredible performance. Mm -hmm. And also that whole sequence, I think I mentioned it in the episode, that whole sequence at the party, which is kind of like the centerpiece of the movie, is just flawless from beginning to end, just that whole section. Um, It's going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just fantastic, incredible performances, great writing, like you're saying. So, yeah, definitely a worthy pick in my opinion. Yeah. And that was a fun episode of the podcast because, uh, Stanford and I, uh, we actually met, uh, the first, first time that we met was at a re-release of all about Eve. So it's, it's kind of a special movie, uh, where we became friends because of all about Eve. So <laughs> it was really fun to have him on and, uh, to get to talk about the, the movie. And, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those movies that is so, rich as far as the cast like it's not just your two leads but you know george sanders is so good in it i really like seth celeste home uh the the that it's uh, that they all have their moments uh mm-hmm. see why they got nominated for oscars and things and mm-hmm. sanders won i think yeah so he did mm-hmm. so what is your next pick my next pick, speaking of movies that we've covered on the show, I, similar to Charlie Chaplin, another director who really means a lot to me and who really expanded my mind in terms of what movies can do and what movies can be, maybe in an opposite direction. You know, if Chaplin is all about how much can we do and how, how you know, emotional and, um, and grand we can be, this director is all about doing small little gestures and that is um Yasujiro Ozu whose movie Late Spring we covered a couple of episodes ago um with our good friends Dave Fiore and Elise Moore who came on the show to Mm. talk about that one and it is a movie from 1949 about the relationship between a father and a daughter who live together and it's become you know the daughter is becoming you know they say she's kind of like old for her age, but this is the 1940s in Japan. So she's like 27 or something. And they're saying that, you know, she should get married um, because she's going to be a spinster and whatever. And it becomes kind of like the story of it's clear that neither dad nor daughter want this to happen, but they just kind of feel like it's the right thing to do. And so they do it, even though there's more, you know, complex emotions to the situation than that. And it's that sort of tension between the, the what is expected, tradition, society, and the personal and the relationship that they share with each other that really speaks to me. There is the, again, we talked about this in the episode a lot, but there's a scene involving an apple very late in the movie that to me is just like such a great symbol of what is possible to say in movies with without... Mm-hmm. literally saying it you know just with images and an act and a, a performer peeling an apple in a way that tells you everything you need to know what was going on that so and that's what i really love about um about ozu as a director but also about cinema you know that it's possible to do these things and i think he represents it a lot 
um, in his movies, and I could have picked a lot of them. I have loved every movie of his that I've seen, which is not that many. It's about a handful, but they're all wonderful in my heart. But maybe because this is the most recent one I saw, but I also do think that it really, um, really got to me in an emotional way. So I have um, Late Spring mm. on my list. Yeah, that I I had never heard of uh, Ozo. I I guess I just somehow I I had missed him, and uh, and so that was a, a totally new experience for me. Uh, seeing his, I'd heard of Tokyo Story, but for some reason I just hadn't heard of his name. Uh, hmm. And uh, it was a really beautiful, lovely film, and that was such a good episode of the podcast. They were mm-hmm. great. Very yeah. insightful, very fun. I, I really enjoyed having them on. Yeah, and I should say, you know, since we're given their praises, they do host their own podcast. There's mm-hmm. sometimes a buggy in which they talk mostly about classic Hollywood film, but sometimes about other stuff, including they did a series about Setsuko Hara, the main actress from from Late Spring. So mm-hmm. if you, if anyone listening, I would recommend if you enjoy Criterion Project, you would probably enjoy that show as well. Yeah. Um, and speaking of lists and sight and sound and all that stuff, Tokyo Story, which you mentioned, has been kind of a perennial on the list for at least since the 90s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely Ozu's most celebrated and famous movie. But I kind of feel like there's been a, a recent um, turn toward people who really love Late Spring. I, at least I have experience that anecdotally in my own life so i wonder i'm curious to see if in the next poll you know maybe late spring will actually be on the list or will be higher up than expected what will happen with tokyo story i don't know this is the kind of stuff that i'm um just wondering about and nerding out about the I list but to tokyo see, story I, is a beautiful movie in its own right yeah i've never seen it i sh- i need to see it uh, that'll de- i think i'll definitely have that blind spot for, for a blind spot next year Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, it's definitely one I, I need to check off the list. <laughs> but I, I really yeah. enjoyed Late Spring. I thought it was a, a... I really enjoyed the characters, and it's one of those s- s- kind of slow burns that actually, I think, works, and you kind mm-hmm. of get immersed in the story. Yeah. And uh, and like I said, I, I loved that episode of the podcast. I thought it was really, really good. And that is all of his movies, slow burns, mm-hmm. that pay off at the end. That's really yeah. what his yeah. vibe is. <laughs> well, my next pick is a hard left, but I wanted mm-hmm. to pick a comedy as one of my five picks. Mm-hmm. And I think the greatest comedy ever made is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 1975. All right. Uh, I just, I think this movie is hilarious and it's so creative and crazy and off the wall. Uh, it's always surprising you i've seen it so many times but i still laugh every time and i don't know i mean just little things like the knights who say me and mm-hmm. like the 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 brave knight who's <laughs> challenging uh the uh there's just a small scrape and he's his <laughs> arm is gone you know like ridiculous. um i think that's a really funny scene um I just, I just think it's hilarious, and uh, you gotta have. If you're doing a time capsule on comedy, I mean, if you're doing a time capsule on movies, you gotta have a comedy in. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, this is the best. Yeah, I think I, I love that you picked this movie. Um, I agree totally that comedy should be on the list. I was so 
uh, disappointed in myself that I couldn't find a way to put more comedy on mine. The the closest thing that I have to a comedy, which it is a comedy, is the Gold Rush, but it's also such a, you know, action and and romance heavy movie. But um, but I think yeah, I think this is a this is great, and I love it that it's such a silly comedy that you've picked you know something that is 100% out there it's all jokes very funny sequences um I have to say I I do like Holy Grail a lot but I just didn't grow up with it so I feel like it just will never really have that kind of thing that it has for the people who saw it first as kids I feel like that really cements it as like something that people absolutely love and I think that's something that makes it appropriate for this list as well um but yeah very funny movies so my i didn't necessarily grow up with it but i grew Mm -hmm. up with my brother quoting it 24 7 my brother (laughs) loves this movie and uh and so it actually was pretty hyped for me when i saw it Mm -hmm. uh which is always dangerous but yeah uh, it lived up to me to the expectations and i i really laughed a lot uh, and uh, so that was kind of my experience. It is an incredibly quotable, quotable movie. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, think like your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. And I mean, just ridiculous. So, uh, it, you know, and it's always hard with comedies because you either laugh or you don't laugh. I always struggle to have to talk about comedies on a podcast because I, I feel like it's hard because again, you yeah. I feel like you either laugh or you don't laugh, and then it, and so what do you talk about? Uh, we've done some comedies on our on our show, definitely. I, I think it's tough. I think it's hard. Yeah, yeah, we've done some comedies on our show. Some of them are honorable mentions for me that I, that we'll talk about mm-hmm. later. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, comedy is very is very particular, very tricky. I think that's also part of why I didn't grow up with this is because so much of it is the quotability and the and in the language. And obviously, I grew up in South America speaking Spanish, so there was just you know the mm. translation maybe wasn't fully there for this movie. I, I feel like there wasn't as many fans of it when I came to America or like when I got on the internet and started like interacting with people from from america and from the uk that's when i really see the oh what's this movie that everybody loves you know yeah and i think it's uh one of the tcm uh uh, classics that's gonna be on the big screen coming up this fall so to keep an eye out for that i'm pretty sure that's cool big screen so i've seen it on the big screen before stanford and i went and saw it oh wow great (laughs) funny Uh, and uh, so yeah that's my next choice Great. Speaking of big screen, um, I wanted to pick something that was a big, epic, big screen movie for me. And it's a movie that I did get to see for the first time on the big screen and that completely blew me away just in terms of its scale and grandiosity, so to speak. And that is a movie called The Leopard, directed by Lucchino Visconti, who is the director of a movie we covered very recently, Senso. So this is... um, the movie, a movie that he made a couple of years after that, and it is a Italian epic about a aristocratic Sicilian family during the time of the Italian Revolution, Italian unification in the 1860s. Um, some people think have described it. I've seen as sort of like an Italian Gone with the Wind in terms of the story and the epic, and I think that really. Um, 
it's pretty accurate in terms of when I saw this on the big screen, there's some battle sequences that are incredible. The, the just the castles that are real life sets from, you know, down in Sicily looked incredible. Um, there's a whole ballroom dance sequence that is the whole third act of the movie takes place at this gigantic, incredibly luscious ball that is just it's just breathtaking from beginning to end. One of the most beautiful looking movies I've ever seen. Burt Lancaster stars um, as an Italian count, Don Fabrizio, uh, which is kind of funny, but he gives a great performance, obviously dubbed in Italian. And then you have Claudia Cardinale and Elan Delon, two incredibly beautiful people playing kind of the, the young lovers in the movie. Um, it's a long, epic movie that I just absolutely love. So I just had to put it on the list. Cool. I haven't seen that one. That was my since it was my first time uh, seeing from that direct, seeing a film from that director. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but I'm definitely curious after yeah. what you said, and also you know that I liked Senso. I thought it was well done. I, it's nice when you get like melodrama done right. Yeah, that's right. It's very similar to Senso in style. It's it's even it's just even more. You know, it's just kind of Senso, but even taken to the next level, kind of. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that that's i thought about picking like a, a more of an epic movie i didn't how uh in one of my honorable mentions is uh, mm-hmm. lawrence of arabia that there you very go close to making my list because i think it's so good it it's it'd be so epic in its scale but then also the the performance peter o'toole it actually came out the same year as to kill a mockingbird and so that's the reason right. why peter o'toole didn't win yeah uh, best actor uh but he's such a such a good character and uh and a lot of times those kind of big epic movies can f- kind of fail on the characters uh in the story uh they mm-hmm. can get kind of lost in the in the visuals and the epicness and the lore kind of mm-hmm. but anyway i i thought about doing that but i went with to kill mockingbird instead mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like the academy did all those years ago <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh but Anyway, I had to put an animated film on my list because, you know, mm-hmm. I love animation. And there were a lot that I thought about. I thought about Snow White. I thought about Pinocchio. I thought about uh, uh, Cinderella. You know, it's just some of my favorites. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, mm-hmm. all some of the best. But the one that I think is the most original and the most creative and the animation is just so incredible is Spirited Away from Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, it's my favorite of his films. I feel like that's kind of a cliche for people to say, like everybody's <laughs> pick something more obscure, but it is my favorite. Um, it's one of the only movies where I was legitimately surprised at every single thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's a giant baby. Oh, there's <laughs> there's, there's a, a boy that turns into a, a dragon. You know, I mean, just every single scene is new and fresh and creative and the animation is absolutely astonishing the story is compelling Chihiro going from being this kind of whiny little girl at the beginning to being this woman by the end basically uh, it, it is a great transformation great character growth um, they're shocking moments like with her parents and the pigs and um, it's just a masterpiece mm-hmm yeah, I I also love this pick. I also love this movie. 
I and I'm also you know I think seeing your list was very helpful to me for not you know pulling my hair being like but I have to put this kind of movie and that kind of movie when I saw that you had kind of you know I put an epic movie so that you didn't have to put one then you put a comedy you put an animated movie and that kind of freed me to pick something a little bit different which was uh -huh. great um, and I and I couldn't you know this if I had to put an animated movie on my list I this would probably be one of the ones I would consider for sure mm -hmm. it would be right up there I would also say like you did Pinocchio would also be a serious contender for me but Spirit Away is just beautiful it's just masterful the I think it really is kind of like a masterclass on animation, on character animation, on design, on creativity, and what you can do with the medium. Um, yeah, it's just it's it really is unimpeachable. It has it's it's kind of frustrating that it has become such a cliche that everybody thinks Spirit Away is such a great movie, one of the best movies ever. But it really kind of, but it really yeah. is. So it deserves it. Yeah, I mean, is it your favorite Miyazaki? Um, probably not. I do really love Miyazaki's kind of more children forward movie uh, like Totoro oh. and Ponyo really get to me. I think the simplicity of that, maybe it's a little closer to that same simplicity of like a Yasujiro Ozu movie of like, you know, something kind of domestic and, and a little more gentle. But I do love Spirit Away and I do love when Miyazaki goes full epic as well. I mean, in my way, I did my top 50 uh, animated films of all time uh, list I I had Totoro and Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away all in my top 15 so well, they're I mean he's mm -hmm. cool. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, what's your next pick my next pick so oh this is funny it's a movie from the same year as Spirited Away 2001 I wanted to you know because the sight and sound list it's always older movies which mm -hmm. you know it's funny because in real in regular life it just feels to me like I'm always trying to get people to pay attention more to older movies but then when some of these lists come out it's like all older movies and no new ones so I wanted to it feels to me a little bit like people don't want to like risk it by picking something yeah. that's too new. So I wanted to make a point to at least pick one movie from this millennium, you know, yeah. that, that made of 2000 or later. And I actually ended up picking two. But um, the first one is the movie. I don't think you've seen this one, Rachel. It's the movie Mulholland Drive by David Lynch. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've heard about it, of course. But yeah, it's a it's a very beloved movie very celebrated i actually wouldn't be shocked if it did make the list this year because it's been i think like you know it's been a couple decades since it came out and it really is beloved by so many people um and it's a movie that i have a very meaningful history with i saw it for the first time a couple years after it came out as a sort of like a young person who was getting into movies and i completely kind of hated it i didn't understand what was going on it was so confusing. It was opaque. It was weird. The, I couldn't follow the plot, and and I just didn't like it at all. But over the years, every you know, every five years or so, I would give it another shot just because so many people really loved it. And it took me a while until I kind of finally just sat there and and just kind of got it. And I think it was the not wanting to understand it, but just like experiencing the movie moment by moment that really got to me mm -hmm. um that being said i'm gonna explain what the plot is as it 
as much as there is a plot to it, is about this young woman played by Naomi Watts who comes to Hollywood to become a big actress or to try to be an actress and then she finds this other woman who has amnesia in in the place in the apartment where she's staying she can remember who she is and she tries her to help her you know figure out who she actually is and then later it's a david lynch movie so some surreal stuff starts happening and the second half of the movie everything is the opposite of what it was at the beginning and it's all very you know macabre and there's all these scenes that are kind of like uh, s scenes that don't seem to go anywhere with characters who don't really appear again. Some of that is is the fact that this was supposed to be a pilot for a TV show that didn't go, so that he just kind of turned it into a movie. Um, so there's stuff that I feel feels like stuff that would have played in the in later in the TV show that didn't. Um, but even then, this really feels to me like for a long time this wasn't gonna be in my list. But then the more I thought about it, the more I was thinking of like. There is something about this movie that feels to me like it's like a dream of movies. You know, like when Hollywood as a concept or when movies as a concept go to sleep, they dream Mulholland Drive. It's kind of how it feels to me. It's just such a weird, dreamy, very disturbing, but also very beautiful movie in so many ways that it just kind of sticks to you. And to me, it feels like, again, another way of showing what movies can do that other art you know as great as it is can't, can't do exactly this yeah I, I i've definitely heard that it's a, a very daring film in a lot of ways yeah uh, it's, it's, it's it's i've been i haven't watched it because uh i i try to avoid movies with rape as a plot point mm. and i know that's in there Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I guess heard, there is. You know, that a lot of people love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a very... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. It's also a difficult movie. So, like, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the first time you saw it, you hated it. And, and maybe you will never like it, you know? <laughs> but I just feel like it's such yeah. a yeah unique experience that, to me, after many years, is it's become undeniable now yeah that is an interesting experience when that happens uh for me uh, a movie that did that for me was close encounters of the third kind when i mm. um when i first saw it in college i was like this is snooze i don't like it um mm -hmm. but <laughs> but when i watched it uh, a couple of years ago it just got me the 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 the, the, the way that the characters wanted so hard to be believed and then, but they weren't believed. They weren't taken seriously, and the sort mm -hmm. of mania in it, it it spoke to me as an adult in a way that it didn't as a you know college student. And right. uh, I I really uh, you know loved the film, and uh, so that's one for me that is, sometimes it is worthwhile to go back and try movies again. <laughs> See what you think. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. What is your last pick? My last pick is uh, I, I wanted to pick a musical because everyone knows I love mm. musicals. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think what is one of the most influential musicals ever made? One of the most influential movies ever made. Um, and I had to go with The Wizard of Oz for my mm -hmm. pick. And there's so many great things about The Wizard of Oz. I mean, the, the black and white to color uh, is just great 
beautifully done. Um, Judy Garland, I mean, singing my favorite song, uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, mm-hmm. is my favorite song. Uh, and it's so beautiful. And especially when you know about her life and it kind of breaks your heart, you know, that she, uh, it's such a hopeful song and she had such yeah. a, a sad life. So I think that adds kind of a layer for me. Um, the, uh, every step along the way, the friends that she meets, uh, are charming. Great. Uh, if I only had a brain, so fun. Um, the, uh, no place like home. And again, it's a, there's a message about hope. And I think that Judy Garland is underrated as far as just her acting performance in the movie. When mm-hmm. she sees Aunt M in the, um, crystal ball, uh, at the, in the witch's castle. And, uh, she's calling out to her and, and, uh, I, I think that that is a pretty brutal scene and she does a good job with it. And, uh, always makes me tear up and, it's just a, I don't know. What can you say about the Wizard of Oz? I mean, that hasn't been <laughs> said. Yeah. I will say this. Um, going all the way back to my first pick, The Gold Rush, and the idea of a movie that kind of defines movies, this would also be up there on that list for me, yeah. of a movie that kind of defines what is possible, sets the template for just especially for children's movies, I think, like what is what the magic of what a movie can be, you know, mm-hmm. of of just transporting you to a different place, to a fantasy world where the the you know, where every design is beautiful and iconic and just simple, but perfect, you know, every single character, especially the witch and the oh, and yeah. the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion, they're so perfectly designed in a way that feels I don't know it again it feels like the essence of movies somehow and it's a movie that I also absolutely love it was a favorite of mine as a kid it is one of my mom's very favorite movies so we watched it a lot growing up um and I think it holds up you know the magic of it holds up I would love to see it on the big screen if I ever have the opportunity yeah I got the chance uh they did a reissue uh on IMAX I think uh this was oh gosh four or five years ago and uh, it was incredible, incredible to see the the tornado scene uh, mm-hmm. in the on the big screen. It was really great. And like I said, when it transitions from black and white to color, it's so great. It's such a be- it's such yeah. a beautiful moment. Yeah. And uh, and you know they've tried so many times to bring back Oz and to have stories in Oz, and they've all been failures. They're the missing. <laughs> And I'm like, why do they keep trying? They just announced one the other day. Uh, and it's just. Yeah. Well, listen, when it's in the public domain, there's no stopping it. But, you know, we will always have the original. Well, it's not really the original, right? There were Oz yeah. movies before this, but we'll That's have the, the one that that it's the definitive one, mm-hmm. which we all know it's this one. Yeah. So that's my last pick. All right. For my last pick. um, Again, a movie that, to me, also um, showed me what is possible between being serious, being silly, being funny, being profound, and being slow. Um, This movie is called... uh, It's a movie from 2010. It's the most recent movie on my list, and it's called Uncle Boomy, Who Can't Recall His Past Lives. 
is a Thai movie by director Apichapong where set a cool and it is a somewhat hard to describe movie it's one of the you know he makes movies that are very um slow paced reflective um meditate meditative i guess is another word you can use for them but i also find very intriguing very mesmerizing and especially very um also kind of funny i feel like they have a sense of a very sharp and beautiful sense of humor about this and this movie is about this man uncle boongmi who you know he has a an an illness so he has gone to the countryside to spend his last days and his some members of his family come to visit him early on in the movie they sit down to have dinner and all of a sudden this kind of like bigfoot type monster who is with red eyes just comes to to the dinner table and says hello i am your your you know your son who had died and i have come back and what the <laughs> what the the response of the characters is oh where's your hair so long you know this like uh bigfoot monster and in that moment i said oh this movie is speaking to me in a way that just kind of gets me about like the relationship between how profoundly movies can speak to me and how much movies to me are also possibilities for laughter and for playfulness and for jokiness mm -hmm. and they don't have to be one or the other and that's why i think why this movie has stuck with me so much in the last few years especially um to kind of like you know try to defy what is possible and what can and can't be done and what can be taken seriously and what can't be taken seriously and that has really i think especially over the last couple of years that has really been a big part of my um my watching of movies mm -hmm. trying to discover stuff and trying to challenge myself with stuff both stuff that seems hard to watch and and you know that maybe oh this might be long this might be boring this might be difficult and also stuff that you know has been dismissed like you know ed wood movies or or old b serials or you know or hallmark christmas movies and things like that you know just trying to give everything a shot and trying to find um possibilities and everything and i think this yeah. movie embodies that for me cool what's it called again it's called uncle uncle boomy who can recall his past lives a lot of people just it goes by uncle boomy i've never heard of it and it's the first i've i've heard of it i think so. someday we should cover this yeah. director on criterion project um i've always hesitated because it's it you know he, his movies can be so slow that i know that a lot of people just don't jive with him but i think someday we'll get to it mm -hmm. cool that's good it's always fun to hear about new new to me at least uh <laughs> directors and uh films so yeah i know what you mean about trying to find the the value in um things that other people just dismiss i mean that's something i i think you mentioned hallmark christmas movies but um mm -hmm. i think rom-coms in general i think are sure. usually dismissed uh comedies yeah comedies often are um, comedies animation mm -hmm. you know and yeah. Uh, yeah a lot of the stuff that you like for sure And, yeah. you know, there's also other stuff like horror movies or, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I know. I actually, I mean, if I was doing a true uh, time capsule, it seems like you should put something horror um, in mm. there as because uh, it's such a big part of movies. But, yeah. uh, you know, so I thought of something like Psycho. Uh, right. And you, know, you could put that in. 
but uh, but it, we covered most of my honorable mentions just as we were talking. Um, the Princess Bride, I think, is like such a great example of of an, a blockbuster film that has just something for everybody. It's funny. It's got the action. Mm. It's got the sword fighting. It's got the the witty banter. It's got the romance. Uh, so it's that's one I think is such an all around excellent movie um also uh, as far as blockbusters back to the future i think is just so well made and so well done and uh i i I love that movie i also thought of mary poppins that was one that i think is basically a perfect family film uh and the great songs so it was kind of wizard Oz or mary poppins one or the other Mm -hmm. um and so those are some of my honorable mentions yeah those are all good picks um, some of my honorable mentions, some uh, quite a few movies that we've covered on the show. You know, talking about comedy, I really, to me, uh, I considered the Marx Brothers. So Duck Soup, which we've covered on the show, was one of the ones that I thought about. And also the Lady Eve, Preston Sturgis is, what I think, a really funny director and writer. And I really love his stuff. Also Ernst Lubitsch and, you know, Frank Capra is also really funny. Yeah, the show around the corner the made the list last Shop time. around the corner, and um, I think bringing up baby—that's another. Oh, that's a really very funny movie. Really yeah, definitely fun. that era of screwball comedy is mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. Um, and I also, in the more recent ones, I also found myself really thinking about for a long time that it would be on my list. Um, the Age of Innocence by Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. This, especially this last time that we watched it to talk with our friend Jen Johans on the on the episode, it I was really kind of like, you know, completely taken over by that movie. I, I find it so beautiful. Again, in the maybe not quite epic, but just the melodrama and the romance and the in the scope of it, it really spoke to me. And I do really think that it's a very very special movie. So that one I also really consider. Yeah. yeah. Good picks. Good picks, I think. Uh, this was a fun exercise to do. And so if you're yeah. listening, let us know what you would pick for your five picks. Yeah, let us know. We would love to talk about it, go back and forth. And we will also, you know, we will see. Will any of our movies be on the top 10 of the Sight and Sound poll? Probably not. You know, none of them were on the list, on, at least in the top 10 the last time around. So we will see what happens. But who knows? Maybe there will be some surprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with uh, I most of my my picks made the list at least, uh, except mm-hmm. for Monty Python. I don't think Monty Python was on there, but uh, they should have more comedies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if, if it really is going to be a more of the same for the list, or if there's going to be some surprises mm-hmm. there. And we'll we'll talk about yeah. it when it happens. But well, you will us on at criterion pod so yeah let us know what you think uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts yeah and you can also follow me on twitter at coco hits and why and you can also find me on letterbox uh, if you search my name conrado falco and you can find me at rachel's reviews all of our social media itunes youtube and on rotten tomatoes check that out also check out the Hallmarkies podcast we they hallmark actually had a very strong august uh, and uh, so uh, they've been uh, they've been making some good stuff. So okay, not Christmas stuff yet. I hope not yet, but it's <laughs> coming. It comes... It's coming very soon. <laughs> Someday it'll be Christmas in August over at Hallmark. Yeah, it's when... I mean, they have Christmas in July. Well, uh, right, but then it's not going to be just a funny thing. It's going to start in July. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
Um, uh, so. Anyway, yeah. So it'll be, you know, this episode will... Uh, people listening shouldn't have too much of a break between this episode and the next one, but we will have a break uh, from when we record it. So we don't know what we'll be doing next, but we will make sure to announce it on, yes. you know, on Twitter or something. So it, for the people who want to watch along. Yeah. So if you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews for us. We would sure appreciate it. And, uh, and that helps us people to find the podcast. So give us your five star mm-hmm. reviews. We would be very grateful. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Rachel, for this great top 10. And see you soon. We'll talk to you all later. Bye.